Hello, and welcome to Cosmic Cassette, an exploration into the sonic unknown. I'll be inviting the artists, DJs, producers, and labels who carry the mantle for sound across the musical sphere. I'll be asking my guests to pick five tracks that were particularly formative in their musical journey and which they would like to send up to space on a cassette tape to teach a newly discovered alien life force about life on Earth. My name is Matt Redley, the host of the podcast. I'm a music obsessive and a lover of all things otherworldly, and I'm looking forward to exploring new worlds in sound with you. We'll journey through galaxies and past stars together to send my guest transmissions to our extraterrestrial friends. For rights reasons, this podcast includes a jingle instead of the music. But to hear this episode with the music included, head to cosmiccassette.co.uk to hear this and all other episodes, or search Cosmic Cassette on SoundCloud. My guest is Larry McCarthy, also known as Bruce, a DJ and producer who consistently explores and tests the boundaries of what is possible with sound. When he was first considering getting into music, he had the realisation that he had to be making bangers to be heard. He has since achieved this in spades, releasing music on Hessel Audio, Hemlock Recordings, Time Dance and Idle Hands' label, to name a few. Since those initial tracks, which focused on heavier sounds, he started expressing himself by singing over his tracks, adding shimmering vocals over swirling, moody atmospheres. His first album in the project, Not, was released in June 2023 on Time Dance, exploring love that's been lost and found, amongst other things. With a second record now out on the project, it's clear that Larry has much more to delve into here. Though his productions have reached for the darker realms of electronic sound at times, Larry can be equally as playful and silly. Ultimately, his common thread through his work is his drive to present authentically, not being drawn by conventions or trends. He said in a recent interview that DJing is so often celebrated when consistent and of a logical nature, but the more I do it, I feel that all that should matter is that the DJ is bringing a performance that is authentic to their tastes, joy and energy. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi Matt, nice to have me mate. Yeah, nice to chat to you. So where does sound sit in your life today? It's everything really. It is everything. I'm fortunate enough to it been my full-time job for quite a while now. I guess it's the way my brain's wired. I'm pretty sure I'm neurodivergent to quite a degree. I'm yet to get proper mm. proof of that. I think because of my practice professionally, I've come to realize my ears literally don't turn off. Mm. So for that reason, it's super important. Yeah. Can you remember a time in your life when you thought that you had a particular ear for it, just being really in tune to your surroundings that made you think that 
sound was going to be part of your life? I mean, I thought I wanted to be a policeman, mate. Like, you know what I mean? Like when I was a kid, before that, I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I was very fortunate to have lots of supportive people in my life, both teachers and parents and friends, but none of them believed me when, you know, when I really decided I wanted to do this. So I guess that's the two prong Mm. answer to this. But then going back to when I first realized I I heard things slightly deeper than other people, maybe, I don't know. You, you only really know that when you get people's reactions or shock i guess two thoughts yeah. come to mind i was playing on the piano there was a honky-tonk piano in my playroom and mm. i remember there was a song on the radio and i was showing my mum i think i must have been like seven or eight maybe nine and i just start playing it on the on the piano just from hearing it i remember her face going how how did you how do you do that mm. you just heard it i was like i don't know i guess i guess just can do that and i'm not classically trained like I, I learned to play the guitar and the cello around that time but I still can't read music mm. and I hate music theory for other reasons mostly because I can't do it but then and then the another time was <laughs> some guy was playing guitar with my dad in a bar somewhere mm. and when the music stopped he was just kind of riffing around and the sound of the finger going up and down the fretboard that re- you know that sort of re- mm. sound when the finger goes up and down between the notes he was on like a classical guitar so that those sort of sounds are really resonant through the body of the guitar and i could hear those root re- mm. re- sounds so i just go to this guy and like hi how did you make those sounds those root re- sounds and he's like what the fuck are you on about <laughs> what what are you on about like no idea my dad looks at me just like strange child you know i was yeah. so convinced i was like that's the coolest bit like the bit the, the root re- mm. root re- sounds like they they got such character to them i mean those mm. are two situations when I was much younger which I think still stick with me I think yeah 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 and I definitely want to come back to the production and sound design element of your work because I know it's a really important aspect of how you pull your work together and how you look to find those smaller details which make the full package come to life Mm -hmm. I'm keen to hear your first track that you're going to be sending into space and if you could give a bit of background on how you chose your tracks and any thought process that went into them. Yeah, cool. Each one is sequential through time. I wanted to choose a track that kind of had a specific period in it during ages. So like youngest to most recent. And then the youngest being, Hmm. I think like six, seven, maybe. Then most recent being like 21. Hmm. I'm 31 now. And I think about how each of them have a significance, both in how they've influenced my style and little incremental stylistic details, which I hold really close to my heart in my music, but also how they've kind of influenced me as a person. And I feel they do have a message each Mm. for the cosmos and for anyone out there listening to Mm. learn something about the human race. So I put a little thought into it. Awesome. And what was the first track that you wanted to send up in space? So first track is Need You Tonight by In Excess. I honestly don't know much about the band, really. I know they're from the 80s, I think. Actually, I know fuck all. I literally just know it was a cassette that I had. It was one of my parents' cassettes, and I listened to it in my Walkman. I remember listening to it in bed over mm. and over again. It's, it's a fucking sick track. Like It's groovy and sexy as hell. But specifically, what it was that made me go back to it over and over again was the ending. I can't even remember the final line he says. The beat finishes, and then there's a single line of dialogue in the the vocals, and then just nothing, and it stops. And I just thought it was Mm. so cool. I thought the way the track had had this sense of cadence that 
gave such a sting, a scorpion tail sting of tension as the track's mm. over. I was like, fuck, I want that again. And I just go back to it mm. over and over again. And just, just to get that feeling. And that basically, that massively influenced me in regards to my love for Cadence. A lot of my tracks in the past have used silence and the idea of like tension and release in regards to silence and breaking stuff. There's multiple tracks I can think of that have influenced me in that way. Songs for Dead by Queens of Stone Age has a pause in it before it slams into something else. Like these kind of moments of intense cadence that are so overwhelming just by doing very little, you know? Mm. And that kind of tension release is something that is, it's so big to me. <laughs> I just love that. I don't know. I love the feeling that you get. Like when, when you get that mm. moment of unexpectedness, like it's that mm. sense of what's next. For me, the only th stuff that really slaps has to have this element of journey in a tense or mm. dynamic feeling. And you can only really establish those things mm. by using techniques and ideas and themes and attitudes to, to build that kind of physical kinetic momentum. There's so much mm. music or like DJs out there that just roll around in a similar sort of tension. It's, I'm not saying everything has to have huge peaks and troughs. It doesn't have to be super dramatic, mm. super tense, but like it has to have a sense of physical, a physical sense of journey. But in particular, in those tracks, let's use Songs for Dead by Queens of Stone Age, is the sense of self-awareness self in the now. Like whatever moment you were sucked into before is now this and mm. you're here. So whatever the artist or whatever the person behind the work chooses to take you from there, will have a profound effect because you could go anywhere from here and it will be so mm. much more powerful than if you've just done it without that sense of cadence, you know? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Also, just coming back to your second tune by In Excess, I had mm. a little look on the old web and I thought you were going to say that you'd had it on MTV because they won a string of MTV Video Music Awards with that. Um, oh, apparently really? it was one of the 100 greatest videos of all time, number 21 at the time. So if you're gripped by the tape, who knows what's going to happen when you see the video because <laughs> you're going to fall off your seat. So yeah, definitely check that out. <laughs> Wicked, yeah. What's your second tune? Second tune was a big nod to basically the music that my parents influenced me intentionally and unintentionally with. So the intentional stuff they influenced mm. me was like Led Zeppelin, Jimi Hendrix, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, Dad on the rock, mum on the funk and soul. They would nice. occasionally casually buy CDs for the car that had mm. way bigger effect on me. So dad casually bought Moby Play and that CD was just, still is such a big influence. I played one of the tracks at Houghton actually. And then another one was Artful Dodger, all about the singles. It's obviously it's a compilation. <laughs> Greatest hits, best album ever. Yeah, it's, that, that, it's like that was like, yeah, still is obviously loads of amazing garage bangers in there. The track I actually actually chose in the end was by the same bloke that sings I Want to Be Like You in the Jungle Book theme, which was a big influence when I was much, much younger. So I went for actually a tune that is probably my favorite song of all time. Like mm. actually number one for real. It's Just a Gigolo by Louis Prima. Fucking amazing. It's kind of cool how people know this as my song. Mm. I, I closed the last Get Loose Party, the final, final one. I closed it with this song. And it's like, there's no other song that makes me move and dance like this song does. And I think mm. I, I actually discovered it through 
listening to they must have been disney soundtracks and found louis prima and i typed in louis prima into youtube because it was yeah. actually a little bit later but mm. i remember just this this style and this kind of sound it induces such a childlike energy in me on an unreal level but this song everything fucking mm. goes for this song like i lose my shit to it it's like the perfect depiction of sadness through joy He's basically, I'm just a jiggle everywhere I go. People start to say about me. And he portrays such a sense of sadness and that the fact he's going to be on his own. He's got no one around him. But the song is so mm. joyful. The music is so amazingly full of energy and power. And personally, that's where all the best stuff sits, in my opinion. If you're able to create a song mm. that is in such rich major key, and has this jazzy element to it, which isn't over inundated with too much jazziness, but the story itself is is one of such sadness. It's like, yeah, pure emotional power. And it, it shakes me to the core every single time. Oh, such an incredible tune. I just wanted to hear a bit more about your newer stuff because it feels like a slight step away in terms of the production i guess most notably because you're you're putting your voice very very prominently on the tracks and you have some tracks where you actually don't have a huge amount going on behind your voice there's a track on your album not called flakes where you just have the start of the track completely your voice and your voice sounds quite vulnerable at times it's it's higher it's it's more exposed and you've you've done some live stuff with that. You played at Glastonbury and did a live set there. How has that been stepping away from just more synthetic sounds or, or at least sounds that have been warped and changed and modulated to something which is quite clearly your voice and stepping on stage and putting that in a more prominent place? Well, it's interesting you should see it as less modulated because I feel like this is the most sound design stuff I've ever done is on this record and it's actually ultimately this mm. is one one EP and then there's gonna be another EP at the end of summer and then an album at the end of the year I think it's totally totally fair awareness of it but like I guess the vocal does ground mm. things and makes it feel less otherworldly but the intention very much is to use that as an anchor so the, the instrumental can go more otherworldly it took mm. me a long time, about two years over lockdown to solidly learn how to write pop music to a level that I was happy with. And it got there. I'm really happy with where I'm at. I'm still learning so much, even up to the fucking mix down period. Like we end up using a mixing engineer, Tom Obama, who was so good, learned so much. And like his, his approach to, to realize, to help me realize this sort of stuff really informed on a technical level, really informed the way that I kind of saw the songs and how I wanted to perform them. So the Glastonbury was the second performance I ever did. The first one was on Mass Festival, which is Time Dance Festival in Bristol is last September. And mm. both of them, very different experiences for me. On Mass was near perfect, even though I was recovering from laryngitis. And then Glastonbury technically was an absolute nightmare, but there were wet faces in the crowd and like, the following the, like the Sunday after I was walking around and two complete strangers approached me and were like, that was like, they just went, that was amazing. Mm. And I was like, holy shit, you're gonna make me cry. And I just, 
I just like walked away and like burst into tears as well. So the whole thing comes from a series of really intense remo- emotional relationships. That's the mm. whole. That's the whole point. That's the whole story. That's the namesake of everything. It's the whole uh, yeah source of all the all the vocals and all the stories. And it's to be able to bring that to other people in this way and have them even after just the second performance connect with people like that and make them cry and mm. they don't even know the music is like yeah serious fucking goals like really really happy with it mm. it shows that of course yeah, it's kind of nuts that like Glastonbury was my second ever gig with that and it's like to have that sort of response is profound what's different with this project is I don't have any fear around it you know like I've had an issue with DJing pretty much all of my career I felt there's there's something inherently inauthentic about playing other people's songs I think I'm realized more recently that it literally is down to a level of control and whether you are willing to just let go and let let the music control the situation rather than you having to try to do everything because it's just so stressful and that's very much been my own battle like people will go up to me and they'll be like oh my god it must be so scary it must be so I mean, it's completely nerve-wracking to be able to step up and sing like that and I'm like honestly it's not it's so much easier than DJing because I know the songs I know how to sing them. I just need to stand there yeah. and sing it just like I pre- prepared. And to translate that level of vulnerability with such an alien, for me personally, alien sense of confidence is, yeah, it's also nuts. So when you got people coming back to you and they're like, that was amazing. It's like, yeah, this is sick. I'm, I want to be doing way more of this, you know? Nice, man. I think that leads us on nicely to your third track. What's been your third selection? Cool. So third selection is We're All Going Home in an Ambulance by Ruben. It's from their third album. It's from like 2007, I want to say. So basically, probably the most, the most formative period before dance music of music was rock. And more specifically on the heavier side, I think remember the first band I listened to was Evanescence. Oh no, the Linkin Park, Linkin Park, obviously, Hybrid Theory. I remember going to HMV and buying that CD. And around that time, mm. it was then Evanescence and then Fallout Boy. I was a huge My Chemical Romance fan, which is probably the mm. only band I've ever been into, which I'm now slightly embarrassed to say. Mm. Then, but yeah, it was over this time, I kind of found myself getting heavier. But then as you get into heavier stuff, you kind of lose the actual musical juice of stuff. And you start going mm. into a realm which angry people go into just to be like, you know. So, like, I was never really exposed to any older stuff. My parents hated any heavy stuff. They really went into that. The heaviest my dad went was, like, Nirvana, which obviously mm. also huge influence. But I didn't get into Utero till much later, which I wish I got into sooner. But at the same time, I had Ruben. And Ruben were, yeah, UK band. Didn't get the career they deserved. But this song, this album is fucking sick in nothing we trust and i discovered them actually while buying kerrang because kerrang after the album were just like yo this is sick you should definitely listen to this and i did and i was like holy shit this is sick this is amazing it's hugely hugely moved me it still brings tears to my eyes listening to this album but this song in particular we all go home in an ambulance is for me that final precipice you're on before things get too heavy but it's still got a real amazing sonic kind of draw to it that's not poppy as such. It does have melodies to it, but it's really sitting in the fringes. Mm. And the song is about the fury, the, the, like how absolutely infuriating 
it is to witness the ignorance of people and how that ignorance can get to the point of brutality and mm. how they will act out of brutality and ignorance just out of self-loathing and it's fucking powerful there was a line in it if your mum and dad beat you as a child i feel sad for you but that's no excuse for it except it's okay to behave in this way i remember i had a punch bag around this time and like i used to listen to this song and beat the shit out of it when i was getting bullied at school and it was just like yeah this song was like really drove it home as this element of like how can people be this fucking ignorant how can the people be this cruel just out of self-loathing yeah massive track and i can so imagine you just rocking out and punching a bag in your in your in your room and just just raising raising hell i'm sure if you were looking at your future self and your gigging career maybe it wouldn't recognize your future self in that room i don't know i mean i feel like i kind of recognize that kid still you know there's mm. still that level of angst and frustration i have yeah i mean i don't get bullied anymore fortunately I'm the bullier now. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I, I generally, you know, I feel like, yeah, no, there's, there's still frustrations I have to the world. And I definitely still listen to that music when I need to rock out or go to like a, a punk gig when I need to let off some steam. I mean, it, you know, there are other musics now which aren't as violently tinged that have the similar sort of energy that gives you that same sort of release, which actually leads on quite mm. nicely to the next track. Yes, definitely. What's the fourth track you're going to be sending up to space? sure number four so this guy spore big tech head kind of tech step drum and bass this came around the time when me and the lads discovered or the lads and i discovered bass music basically dubstep drum and bass yeah. this is like the era of that Casper and rusco cd fabric live 37 mm. benga scream chasing status just off the back of all the electro bandy stuff this is when mm. like dubstep made that big blast into the popular field. It took us all by storm. We'd listen in our form rooms, be like, just either like ramming this on little hi-fi or of the music rooms or like passing around some shitty Sennheiser headphones that we were convinced these ones had more mm. bass in than the other ones. And <laughs> just kind of getting sucked into like the incredible world that these sort of artists would create. I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot of them did, you know, all pretty just like, boshy bangers off the back of that kind of bob step pre bob step sound or like jump up but the tech step stuff was fucking nuts because the sound design in it is just unreal mm. so this track valentine by spore still is really impressive in regards to sound sound design it almost sounds like it's part of a movie or part of a like it, there's a sound in it that sounds loads like gears of war so it's, it's very blokey very like sort of vibes which mm, you know yeah, but I, yeah. i'm coming out of ruben mate you know i'm still i'm still got a lot of emotions to work out yeah valentine must just says, has this amazing cinematic feel that really opened up the world for electronic music for me it made really made me see just like bands are cool like bands are really great having this sense of like this sense of you and listening and everything and you really feel like you're being spoke to as a singular person in the band. So you've got this personal relationship with stuff. But this yeah. electronic music blew that wide open. I was so engaged by the music and just the, the, the sheer depth you can create with electronic sounds over what you can get in a four-piece band, four or five-piece band, you know? 
Wow, yeah, that sound design is truly insane and is surely going to blow the minds of the alien life force who we're sending this out to. I think I've actually heard you talk a bit about the early dubstep days and how you're a bit annoyed to miss them. I was, <laughs> but I, re- I was at the time because I was just like, especially when I was meeting people like Batu, for example, like a big part, big thing for him because he had a much more privilege in on it. Like his uncle got him into drum and bass quite young and he was going to these really sick nights in Oxford. Mm. I didn't have any of that. I had to really worm my way into this stuff because I was very much in the sticks. So yeah, there was a slight jealousy in that respect, but mm-hmm. I've since just gone on Discogs and kind of found all the tunes that I liked. So yeah, I missed the moment. But honestly, it's kind of tiring people are kind of over it now but there was a period and people were just like no oh, i miss dubstep no oh, sucks where's dubstep going <laughs> like you know there's, there's, there's like it's because it, enough people yeah. are playing it out again so it doesn't feel so far away so that's nice that's so true that's so true you can get stuck in the mentality that life is a museum and something that's gone before is so perfect and the sort of perfectness can't be re- recreated but i guess those kind of big moments do keep coming. It's just uh, they're infrequent when just a sound or like a mood really explodes and people are really taken with it. So like, I've no doubt that something as big as that movement will come again. It's just up to people who are actually producing and, and in the game to be experimenting with things. Totally. But unfortunately, down to our biological makeup, it is very hard after the age of 30 to find something as new and exciting as what grabbed you when you were in your 20s so like whilst i agree the idea of being like wow it's not like it used to be like that level of nostalgia is fucking Mm -hmm. boring at the same time it's one of these things where it's like well i'm glad i did have a good feeling in my 20s because i know that essentially i'm i'm literally not going to be able to recreate that feeling in the same way and that's okay but that's kind of part of moving forward. You know, you have to be able to move forward by accepting that it's literally not going to be as good as it used to be. It's simple as that. And then it can be nearly as good. You can find, discover something new and go, God, this is something, this is really cool. But unfortunately, mm. I mean, you may disagree with me. Maybe, you know, you may Damn, that's, that's a heavy thought. I, I think what you're saying is it's all downhill from here. No, and, that's, not uh... I'm, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because obviously as a musician, because that's the another side of it as well. Like as a musician, I'm aware I have a shelf life. Honestly, there's so few people that actually have made amazing stuff until they died in their late like into the 70s and 80s. Like, so few. Because it's really mm. fucking hard to stay connected to a level of creativity and to mm. still engage with those really important essences that mm. keep you inspired and excited by your work whilst keeping in touch with what's still going on. Who knows how long I'll be doing this for, you know? That kind yeah, of man. there's always new stuff to feel. So I'm just saying that it's yeah. important to be aware that it's probably never going to be quite as amazing as it once was. As the dubstep good. days. As the dubstep says, yeah, as the dubstep <laughs> But hey, Koki's still touring, so you can, you know, get <laughs> yeah, a slice yeah. of it. I think it's time for your, your last track. What's your last track that you want to shoot up to space? Yeah, nice. So off the back of the electronic music discovery there's like a huge world of stuff specifically just before university that really fed into that like thing of me just going this is it at school i got good at art and i also got good at music but i didn't have as much to show for it like in art i was making these big portraits i did a month of art foundation like only a month before i realized that fine art is bollocks i have no time for this and I was like, no, I'm going to yeah. drop out. 
And I spent the year kind of working out what I wanted to do, applied for a course at Bar Spa and uh, did creative music technology at Bar Spa yeah. University. And it was in that year building up where I was just working. I did it on a couple of holidays, but it was barely a gap year. I just used it to save money before uni. And I, yeah, inevitably spent on records the moment I got to university because I met Ploy in the first week and mm. he did a talk on Hot Flush and I did a hot talk on Hessel Audio. And we were just like, hey, let's be friends. And around then at the same time, I bumped into people, bumped into my best mate, Will, who yeah was hogging the speaker at a uni party and afters. And he was like really into James Blake and stuff like that. So like all this, yeah. these, I started building friendships based on music. And this was a new thing for me. Previously, all the friendships I'd had, I were just people I was just happened to be in the class with, you know? Maybe with partners at the time, I'd share musical interests and musical things or people I went to gigs with or people I was in bands with. But it wasn't the same as like being in a place because of a love for music. And that was a really, really big deal for me. That was just like all of this struggle and frustration and proving myself and the people around me that I can do this thing. And I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't done it yet, but pretty mm. sure I can do it. You just need to fucking believe me. And having those that support circle around me with Sam and Omar, who was in the year below, and a couple of other people, you know, people who are best friends still to this day, who were like mm. such support groups in regards to sending the music, in regards to mixing in our bedrooms, in regards to be slice the night together in Bath. Yeah. Like all these things, they built this rich, beautiful foundation and ultimately blossomed into what is my life now. You know, it's actually really nice how... Sam and I, like a few years ago, when we, when we once we both signed to Hessel Audio, we used to listen to the radio station every week when we were living with each other in third year of uni. And like the poetry of yeah. that, we're just like, we're just like, yeah, this is sick. But this was a track that after all these brilliant uni house parties, this would always come on near the end of the night. And it was listening to it now gets me so emotional because this very much is the feeling of, and I had it at the time, like this is, these are the, gonna, these are the best years of your life, mate. They literally don't get better than this. You know, all these, all this, total fresh wild unbridled youth energy in a mixing pot of total chaos <laughs> with no responsibilities but a huge sense of overwhelming freedom and all this new discovery and play and power and the beauty of this song encapsulates that moment for me i can literally see my friends dancing around the living room in slow motion with the sunrise coming through the window and whenever i listen to this song it takes me back to that moment it's by Louisine and it's called Gravity. Also, this was when you were also going to Bristol quite a lot, right? Because obviously Bath was your home at the time. What was the scene that you found in Bristol that made you want to stay? Because I know you're, you're there now. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bath sucks. We actually, in the last year of our course, me, Sam ploy and a bunch of other of us and then omar did the same thing the following year moved to bristol just to escape it but also to be close to the action and then we'd commute in the last year of our course there was a bunch of us who were from london and for them it was just like please get me out of bath it's like suffocatingly shit and just to have a slice to be slightly closer to some sort of metropolis and then for the rest mm -hmm. of us it was we were from near village it was just like fuck this is cool as hell like everyone here is so nice we were so close to all the music all the time. Idle Hands was open <laughs> on City Road. Like that was that was amazing being there and basically getting friendly with people there. And the Bell would do these nights there loads. Cozies was cool back then. It still is actually. Cozies is pretty mm. great still. 
and there was take five as well and then motion man obviously motion motion was the way in for all these kids discovering electronic music and raving for the first time yeah real special moments of course you know you look back at it now and you think wow you couldn't pay me to go sort of thing so bad but like at the time it was so special you know larry i think we can wrap it up there it's been such a pleasure chatting to you and hearing your five tracks and i feel like we've been on such a journey not only through your selections but through your past and production and uh, hearing about your sound design i was just so excited to hear what's next for you and to to see where this new phase goes for you because it feels like a butterfly just emerging into a, a new beautiful phase butterfly. Your, your sound yes your, <laughs> your sound career look at my beans (laughs) yeah no i'll imply my own bugs life metaphor yeah mate it's really sweet of you man i've really really enjoyed this i've got to a point now where people maybe want to hear about how i've got to here and it is really Mm. affirming and it's really fucking nice so thank you matt thank you so much for having me makes me feel like that little kid listening to in excess you know in his bed on his parents cassette Mm. player feels kind of validated you know like for Mm. whatever innocence has been turned into a career and however the cosmos is going to receive that wicked man well yeah thanks so much and uh, thanks for sending your your tracks into space how do you feel the alien life force are going to receive these tracks hopefully with compassion hopefully to realize that the human experience is a complex one that Mm. shouldn't be taken too seriously but at the same time we have an ability to cause each other a lot of harm, but also cause each other a lot of love. And we're kind of worth not maybe mm. destroying with a big alien laser gun, please. Just enjoy the tape and we will cause you no harm. Just enjoy the tunes. <laughs> Wicked, man. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, man. Thanks, man. Cheers, though. Humans, I hope you enjoyed that alien transmission. If you'd like to hear more, visit cosmiccassette.com or go to SoundCloud where you'll find all of the episodes. If you'd like to hear more from the Mothership, go to the website and sign up for the Cosmic Transmissions newsletter, which will give you a fortnightly email with the podcast, an incredible new music recommendation and a club night recommendation. I hope to see you again.